We're still preparing and working through that series. But today, I want to take just a moment, just a Sunday, and encourage you with a psalm. I'm not sure about you, but I love the psalms. The psalms are where I go when my heart hurts sometimes. The psalms are where I go when, when, when my mind is confused and I need the Lord to just, just kind of wrap his arms around me. And I, and I read the psalms of David and the psalms of Kor and the psalms of the others. These songs of praise and worship, these songs of pleading prayer, forgiveness, these songs of confession. What a place to go to. What a place to find that, that you know, I don't know about you, but I love music. You say, well, pastor, why don't you sing with the, with the team? Well, it's because they love music too, and they don't want you to hate music, so they do not allow me to sing. As a matter of fact, I've been asked to sing before and recently have been fired from singing be, because I, I don't do it very well. And, but I, have, I, I, I take that verse, uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and I really seriously make a joyful noise. But the Psalms are beautiful. They're songs of joy and lament. They're songs of praise. They're songs of confession. And we find here in, the, in Psalm 16, as our text this morning, a psalm of David. And it's a psalm of praise. It's a song, it's a psalm of David praising God and proclaiming the character of God and who he is. But it's also a song in which David realizes who all things belong to. He realizes where his hope lies. He realizes where his, his strength comes from. He realizes where his well-being is centered from. Everything that David has, he realizes in this psalm where it comes from. And if you read the psalm, and it's very short, just 11 verses, but in these 11 verses, you will find the characteristics of the faithful. You will find the characteristics of the rejoicing. Now, you can name it anything you really want. You will find the characteristics of one who is redeemed. You will find in this psalm the description of one who knows that God is the authority of their life, and they have yielded to that authority, and they want to let everyone know through the music, through the singing, through the worship, as this is, what it is all about. And the wonderful thing about David, David is a lot like you and I, guys, isn't he? You say, well, we're not rich and we're not a king. No, but David was a man who... who Sought after the heart of God, yet in the times that he did not, he woefully sinned against God. There are, there are two distinct places in the Bible where David sinned against God, where it brought judgment upon himself, upon his family. There are other times when it brought the judgment of his sin upon the entire nation of Israel. And yet, Here's a man who understands where all things in his life comes from. And the wonderful thing is, we're not called to be perfect. We're called to be chosen. We're called to be redeemed. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to live a life out for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to share with you this morning is the characteristics of that kind of person. Man or woman who's redeemed, faithful, living for the glory of the Lord, but living in a broken world 
as a, as a broken individual. Our sin nature is not totally eradicated. It is simply put under the power of Christ. And the Bible says as we walk in the Spirit, that, that sinful nature will be kept under that power of Christ. But when we yield to the nature and we no longer walk in the Spirit, we can sin and do the things that David did. But let's sing this song in our heart together for God's glory and for His honor. And let's receive and take out and find the nourishment and find the nutrients, find the sustenance that these verses give to the child of God. Let's read Psalm 16. You can follow in your Bibles or follow on the screen as I read aloud. This is a mitzvah. This is a this is a psalm of David, and he says this: "Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth." They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. There, speaking of others, sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you catch the latter part of this text, you will see that this was also spoken of our Savior Jesus in the New Testament. Paul, in, in the book of Acts, Luke, takes the, verses 9 through 11 and, and shows us that ultimately in Christ this was fulfilled. But David, in the present time, rejoices over that he will one day be with the Lord forevermore. So let's look this morning at these characteristics of God's child. Father, bless the word. Teach us today through your spirit. May it be applied to our life. And as we go out, may we live this for you to your glory and the world that you've called us and placed us in to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, not... Unlike most sermons, I will give you kind of three points and just, just through those three points, bore home the one truth. But what we'll do today is we'll just go verse by verse, more or less, through the text and pull out these characteristics. What is your hope today? What makes you feel safe? What, where do you find courage to face the difficult seasons of life? What, ab- what enables you to rejoice What is the very source and the power of your day-to-day living for God? When things are up, when things are down, there ought to be something that's consistent in our life, no matter how we feel or what the storms of life are bringing. How do you hope in the Lord? David has found his reasons for hope. He has found his reason to worship the Lord. And he is reminding himself and us today 
as to why he does it, why he writes the Psalms, why he worships God, why he goes to the temple and offers the sacrifices, why he does what he does. And number one, the reason is he has found his hope in God alone. Look at verse one. David calls out to God and says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. What he's asking God to do is he's saying, Lord, watch over me. Watch over me around my enemies. Watch over me within my family. Watch over me as I lead the nation. Watch over me when I privately go to worship you. Watch over me in everything I do. That's the word preserve me. He's saying take care of me. Watch over me. Look down upon me and all that I have. Do you know why? He says I've put my trust in you. But you and I, we need to understand something about this, this word in, in, in the original. It's got a little bit more of an oomph emphasis to it. Do you remember in the Old Testament when they were going into the promised land, God had the Israelites sent out about seven different cities around the nation called cities of refuge. You remember those? And those cities of refuge were, were a place for people to go who, who, you know, maybe they've inadvertently killed somebody. And, and so that the family members of the one who was killed wouldn't come and murder them. They could flee to that city for refuge. And what David is saying is, God, you are my city of refuge. You are my place where I have trusted in you. And what, no matter what happens in this world of life, he says, I can find refuge in you. I put my trust, meaning I found refuge in God. Now, that's why David can say, God, watch over me. Because I have fle fleed, flown, flew, fly. Man, I got really quick to the city, to the place of refuge, to the place where I trust. And that, that term refuge means this. It is a state of being safe. It is a place of sheltered from the pursuits that are coming after me. It is a place where I found safety and protection from danger and difficulty and from all the things that encompass me in my life. David says, I can look to you for for." for care and to watch over me because I have found refuge in you. Beloved, do you not get the point of that? See, what you and I do, we run to our neighbor, we run to a friend, or we run somewhere else to find comfort and care and, and protection when we go through trials of life. And it is wonderful to have those friends, isn't it? It is wonderful. Last night, we were up to about 10, 10.30 messaging Someone in a far off place that, that really had the battles of ministry going on yesterday. And all they were doing is telling us what was going on and pouring their heart out. And at the end they said, I'm so sorry to bother you with this. And we wrote back, are you nuts? This is what you're supposed to do. You go to people that love God and love you and you pour your heart out to them, and, you, and then you get their arms wrapped around you. But David is saying to us, the real place of care, the real place of being watched over, the real place when you're alone that you can find comfort is in the place of Jesus Christ. It's in that refuge. That is a wonderful thing, the psalmist says. See, those who have found Christ as Savior, you understand what refuge is. 
that I can seek him to care for me because I have found him a place of refuge and safety and protection. I can find refuge in God and I can trust him to care for me. David said, it's not my power or my cabinet or my warriors or my soldiers or my army or my palace where it gives me true refuge. It is in Christ. And whether you're homeless or powerless or moneyless or friendless or spouseless or whatever else less, in Christ we found that refuge. We have found that hope. And you know what, beloved? That is why some Christians can go through some of the most difficult things in life and not falter. Lisa and I have a pastor friend named, um, well, Pastor Rediger. Pastor and Mrs. Rediger, about three years ago, three, four years ago, their 22-year-old son was out with a mate kayaking on on in in the water they live on the they lived on the coast they lived not too far from our home and and there's the chesapeake bay there and the two boys were out 20 some years old out kayaking and they didn't return when they were supposed to and what happened they found out later there was an accident a wave or something came the 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 boat tipped over and the tide took them out and they both drowned and they died and, 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 and Pastor and Mrs. Rediger were broken and, 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 and just devastated in their heart. But they wrote Lisa at times and posted other things that their heart and the, they can go on. Why? Because they found their hope and their refuge in Christ. And they knew that one day that they would see their son again because he found his hope and refuge in Christ. You see, when the Israelites ran to that city of refuge, nobody could hurt them. And nobody could come against them. And that's what we find in Christ. And David said, do you know why I can hope and why I can rejoice? Because I have found my refuge in Christ, in God, in the Savior. Do you know Korah, the chief musician of the temple, understood the very same thing. In Psalm 46, he wrote, God is our refuge and strength. Beloved, when you find refuge in Jesus, that's where your strength lies. We we think, oh, I can't go on like this anymore. I can't cope with this anymore. Yes, you can. In Christ, you can. Why? Because he's your refuge. And the psalmist goes on to say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I like the therefore because you know what? It points backwards. And it says, the stuff I just said to you produces this. And here's what he says. Because of that, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, peace, we will not be moved. We understand why. Because God is our refuge. The psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 91, It's a description of you and I when we place our refuge in Christ. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he who sits there, he who brings it in, he who makes his abode in the presence of God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. And what does he say? In him will I 
trust. So David calls out to God. And what is a characteristic of one who, who finds, uh, 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 is faithful to God? What is the characteristic of one who trusts in the Lord? Number one, he has found his hope in God alone because God is his refuge in no other place. What's another characteristic of one who finds his hope in God, who in our New Testament terminology trusts the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, David understood something. Do you know what? To David, faith in God was not a game. It wasn't something that he played at. It wasn't something that he just intellectually understood. He understood that God was alive that he was king, that he was powerful, and that because of who God was, he deserved David's subjection. You understand? He deserved and was owed and was, was privileged to David's bowing the knee to him. And David understood something, that the characteristic of a, God who, of a man who hopes in God he understands that God is his Lord. And do you understand what that means? Some people think that when you say God is Lord, that, that everything's perfect in your life and you're sinless and there's nothing you do wrong. That's not what David's talking about here. That God is Lord of all things. Do you know what's going to happen one day? Folks, Jesus Christ is going to come to this world. He's going to come on a white horse and you know what he's going to come with? He's going to come with a tattoo. I know you folks that are against tattoos, you don't say, no, no, no. But the Bible says in the book of Revelation, Alex, he's laughing. I don't know if it's a tattoo or not, but I know, what, know this. He says that on his thigh is going to be written this. I am king of king and lord of lords. Amen? You understand what he says? I am king of kings and lord of lords. He is saying to the world, I am king. In control. And David here is saying this in verse 2. Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. This statement reflects the psalmist's understanding of being under the authority of God. Authority. The characteristic of a person who has trusted Christ and has hope in God is that they understand that they are under the authority of God. Look, ultimately, this church isn't under, you're not under my authority. We are under the authority of the Lord God. Everything is under the authority of God. You know, David was saying that this faith I have in him is more than a mental confession. It is what God wants from those who claim that He, God, is their Lord. It is the fact that we understand that we are to be in obedience to Christ. Do you know what I think one of the most heartbreaking things to God is when God's people are not in obedience to Him? It's not when we are like, oh boy, i got to obey all these rules and things because God's going to whack me. Do you know what? When we are in obedience to God, you know what it really says? I do this because I love him. I obey this because I want to glorify him. I'm obeying and doing because man alive, he is worth it. Do you know obedience, that's not a bad thing. 
Man, I was in the army for nine years, and I liked some of it because I, I became an officer. And I, man, I could tell everybody, go do that, go do this. But you know what I found? Only when they want to do they really listen to me. They had to obey me, but uh, stinking LT, and they'd go off saying crazy stuff and not happy. That's not what God's people should be like. David is saying the characteristic of one who puts their hope in God is one who understands that they are under the authority of God. And do you know what that brings? Before the Israelites went into the promised land, God told them, you do all this, you obey me, man, it's yours forever. But if you don't, there will be a curse upon you, and you will be taken out of the land. And listen to Deuteronomy 26, verse 17. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, that you are under his authority, and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and that you will obey his voice. When we understand that we are under the authority of God, do you know what we're saying? That David said, you are my Lord. God, I'll obey you. It means that we will promise to walk in his ways just like they did before they went into the land. And that we promise to obey your commands and your word to us. And that we will promise to obey everything that you tell us. Not because you have a, a, a rod of iron and that you beat us with it. Because that you are our refuge. And you are our hope. And see, the truth is, whether people like it or not, everyone is actually under the authority of God. I wish everyone understood that they are under the authority of the Lord. Because they are either positively or negatively either for care or for judgment. Everyone is under God's dominion. Everybody, Look, do you understand even the lost breathe because God allows it? They live because God allows it. They have another day because the Lord allows it. We're here this morning because God allowed us to be here this morning. Beloved, He is God, and there's nothing that happens without His desire of it to happen and 2 Chronicles says this and Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court and he said this O Lord God of our fathers are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations and in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you are you not God that is, has dominion over all things? And we need to be like David who acknowledges that and say, Lord, I don't know about this path and I don't understand this path that you have me on. And, I, and Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't maybe even like some of the things, but God, I understand this, that you are my authority. And I and I humbly surrender to that. Paul understood God's view of authority, that God's lordship over us was his dominion, was his authority over us. And he says in Ephesians 1, ever since, now I'm going to paraphrase it just to get through it quickly. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord, Paul's talking to 
these people in Ephesians, in Ephesus, and your love for God's people everywhere. I haven't stopped praying and thanking God for you. I ask the Father uh, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you grow in the knowledge of God. And I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the hope that he has given to you. You're his holy people. You're blessed. You're rich and glorious in your inheritance that God has given to you through salvation. And I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Christ is ruling on high, and it is us who say to our Lord, you are Lord. In other words, you are our authority. His life is under the authority of God, which is reflected in our actions. So let me ask you a question this morning. If you say you hope in God, if you say that you are a believer in Christ, number one, does the characteristic of the fact that you have found refuge in God characterize your life? Number two, does the fact that God is your authority characterize your life? And then, number three, the characterization of a person who's under salvation, who's believed in Christ. To me, this is not theologically the deepest truth, but probably most practically the deepest thing that I've read so far in the text. See, God is our refuge. He's our salvation. God is our authority. He's in control of our life. And number three, the characteristic of a person who has faith in Christ knows that there is no other source of well-being other than the Lord. Do Do you get that? In Psalm 16, verse 2, David says, and I'll repeat, O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. In other words, I'm under your authority. And then he says, my goodness is nothing apart from you. Do you get that, beloved? You ought to underline that in your Bible. David says, look, everything that David had, the riches and the glory and the power, he said, you know what, God, apart from you, I have nothing. My goodness is nothing apart from you. He says this, you're my master and every good thing I have, every good thing I have in life is from you. See, without God, he would not know true happiness. He's not talking about wealth in this verse. He's talking about the goodness of his refuge, the goodness of knowing him as Lord. He says, without you, God, I have nothing that takes care of me and that brings me well-being. Listen to Psalm 31. Listen, our world, everybody, and Christian people too, they strive to have things to bring them happiness or joy or enjoyment or peace or whatever. And David said, man, I got all this stuff. But what I understand is that all that I have comes from the Lord. But 
my care and well-being. What comforts me and what satisfies me doesn't come from my family, my wife, in David's case, wives. I, I could say something about that, but I might get in trouble. <laughs> you know, one's enough, amen. That's biblical, amen. We shall move on. He says this, that every, all my care, all my joy, all my purpose comes from Christ. Listen to Psalm 31. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of the enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Now verse 19 is the key. Read with me. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. God's goodness is for those who reverence him. God's goodness is for those who look to him for salvation, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. David says, the psalmist says, that my well-being and care I know as a child of God comes from no other place but from you. You know, isn't that something that we ought to praise God for? Uh, that we ought to live for him because of? You, you know, nothing that I have. Do you know, the older I get, and man, I'm still young. I'm only 52 years old. I, I said, Lord, I've asked him recently. I said, Lord, if you would allow me at least 20 more years to serve you, I will give you all my heart and all my soul and all the energy that I have to glorify your name. I'm just so thankful that he saved me and called me into serving him and allowed me the opportunity to do that. But I realized something. That in the blink of a moment, in the blink of an eye, in less than it time it takes to take a breath, all things could be lost. Amen? Our health could be gone. Our wealth could be gone. We don't have a lot of wealth, but what wealth, we, you understand, could be gone. Our friends could be gone. Our spouses, our family, everything. Everything could be gone. There's a missionary uh, serving in Cameroon. Right, Cameroon? Just recently... Some of you might have read about him. Him and his wife had uh, gotten through deputation, gotten to the field, and they were on the field uh, less than two weeks. I think it was around 10 days. They were in a car, him and his wife driving through the city of Cameroon, and there was some fighting going on. There was a gunshot, a, a military gunshot, uh, came into the car, bullet went into his brain, killed him immediately. Eight children, a wife, looking that, that all their future was in front of them. Christian, we cannot live like haphazardly life. We need to live in a way that we understand all our goodness comes from God and is owed Him back. Amen? That we live like that. When we take delight in Christ, it is not that we get what we want, but we want what we get from the Lord. Do you understand that? That our care and well-being is from Christ. And it's not that we can say, as some um, 
of those preachers, that, of the prosperity gospel preachers. You know, the ones that say, you know, God saved you for goodness and God saved you to bless you and God saved you to give you wealth. No, God saved us to give him glory. That's why he saved us, to give him glory in our life and that our life be sought in light and it screams and shouts and yells at the world, not through our voice, but through our life that Christ loves you and he's died for you, but you will die and enter eternity if you don't repent and come to him. That's why we're here. Our life is to glorify Jesus Christ in all that we do. So, what are the characteristics of a person who is saved? Well, according to David, the characteristics of a person who puts their hope in God is this. Number one, they found refuge in Christ. Hope in nothing else, only in God. Now this psalm, and I haven't mentioned much of it yet, this psalm we could take and preach in a completely different way. There's two aspects to it. There is the, the Davidic aspect and there's the Christological aspect. See, we know for a fact that David wrote the psalm and he wrote it to praise God. He wrote it out of his love and faithfulness for the Lord. He is teaching us practical applications of what it is to, to be declared righteous and what that righteous life should be lived out. But it also speaks of Jesus Christ. And we won't get to it today, and we'll have to come to it maybe next week. But at the very end of the text, it shows us that in verse 9 through 11, these are the verses that are Christological in substance, and they talk about Christ. And it's the scriptures as to where we know why Christ rose from the dead, because God's promise was that he would not be held in the grave, but that he would rise and live again. Amen? And there's power in that. But this psalm is to you and I a reflection of what the character of our life should be. And number one, it's that we found refuge in Jesus Christ. Number two, that we understand that we are under the authority of God. He says, go, we go. He says, stay, we stay. He says, surrender, we surrender. He says, yield, we yield. He says, give, we give. Do you understand? That is what it is to be under the authority of God. And thirdly, that person knows that all things are from God. All the care that he has, all the care that the Lord gives to him, all that he has, all that he attains, all that the Lord blesses him with isn't from his hard work, though the scripture talks about not being lazy. It's not from our ability to get things. It's not from our talents or gifts. It is from God himself. He simply says in verse 2, My goodness is nothing apart from you. You, O Lord, are the reason why I have all things. So it brings us to that final thought of that point, and it's this. When we take delight in Christ, when we understand that He's our refuge and that He is our that. That, that, that He is our Lord and we are, we are under His authority, we understand this. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Amen? We understand that it's not what 
taking delight in Christ, it is not that we get what we want, but we want what we get from the Lord. Do you know Job? Job, and I think it was around chapter 2 of that book, he has now lost everything. His children, his home, his, his power, soon to be his, his prestige and authority and everything. And his wife, somewhere around two or three, comes to him and says, Job, you know, you're done. What purpose do you even have to live anymore? You've lost everything. And Job's wife understood the pain that Job was going through, right? Didn't she? Because the Bible says that Job lost all those things. But guess who else lost all those things? She lost her children. She lost the homes. She lost their livelihood. She lost the food, the everything she lost as well. But what she didn't understand is what Job understood. She said, curse God and die. Get it over with. And Job said, how can we take that which is good and not also give away as well? How can we take from God good and not also take from God the hardships and the difficult things? You know what the characteristic is of one who finds hope in Christ? There's a refuge there in the storms of life. There is an authority over your life that, that is good and loving and kind and gentle and purposeful. God knows what he's doing and what we need to do is yield. And then thirdly, man, he cares for you. He takes care of you. So here's the application. As with David... As with the psalmist, understand this. David is looking past everything. And he's looking toward that day in verse 9 when he says this. My, Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory. He means his whole being, everything that's about him rejoices. My flesh, my body, my life will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell and Sheol. You will not might leave my, my soul to be corrupted. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Christian, there's your hope. That's why we can rejoice. That's why we can praise God, because He is our salvation. He is our authority, and He is our care for us. And we rejoice in the fact that one day David realizes that he will rise again, and he will live forevermore with his Savior, with his God, in glory, and he will be, have pleasures in fullness of life eternally. Amen? So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Savior, come to him. Someone around you sitting, ask them what it means to be a Christian. Commit and give your life to Christ. Surrender to him. Ask for forgiveness. And Christian, stay in the battle. Stay in the battle and keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus and look to him 
and live with all that you have. Give everything that you have and lay it on the altar. Be a Romans 12.1 Christian where it says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning.